They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy himself. And our guest today is Brian Gross. Brian Gross, the president of BSG PR. He has been the service of media and public relations for over 28 years. Gross has been employed by companies such as Deaf American Recordings, Warner Brothers Records, Reprise Records, Electra Entertainment Group, Vivid Entertainment Group, and such organizations as the Lollapalooza Tour. Brian Gross was an executive producer for Reality X, The Search for Adam and Eve. His background includes all facets of public and media relations, working in some of the largest businesses, celebrities, and music acts in the world. Brian, it is so exciting to have you here. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm doing great. Awesome. And so we'll start off with our traditional first question, Brian, what makes you awesome? Wow, that is a loaded question that you probably have people that take two, two, uh, two ways of this, right? They go on and on and other people are like, I, I don't know, I, I'm just trying to be a good person in this world and <laughs> hopefully other people think I'm awesome. So I'm going to go that route in the aspect of uh, I love what I do. Uh, I started this when I was young, and I just have tried to be the kind of person that helps others. Uh, and and as far as the profession goes, you know, betters their careers. Okay. So, you know, those are my goals, and and that is what I hope makes me awesome. Awesome, I like it. Yeah, helping people definitely is an awesome thing. So, how did you get started in this world? So, when I was in high school, it was actually uh, I, I took out my CD collection one evening. And started calling record labels and all of them pretty much said, you got to be in college. So we can't have you. You're a high school kid. And the one one label called Deaf American, the person who answered the phone said, why don't you come intern for me? Uh, Because I was looking for internships. And that's how it started. And she was the in the publicity department at Deaf American. She was the most recent hiree, which means she took the phones when the uh, receptionist went to lunch. So I just happened to call within the hour that she was manning the phones back in uh, winter of 93 and awesome. went in a couple days later, wore a, a shirt and tie and was told you'll never have to wear that again. And, <laughs> and so uh, I, I went in three days a week. I was still you know, finishing my senior year of high school and started you know, learning the tricks in the trade of uh, public and media relations. So mm-hmm. From there, I uh, went away to college for a bit, came back. But at the same time, I was writing. I was DJing uh, on the college radio station. Uh, I was just learning everything about, you know, learning about the music industry, but also learning about media. And so, you know, went back and got more internships going when I came back home and and uh, got, uh, you know, took an assistant job, then took a West Coast PR job and, you know, climbed the ladder. And so uh, that was a that was a very fun ride uh, in the mid and uh, early mid and late nineties uh, to uh, to really go through the record industry at that time. I, I like that all that story. Now, did the, were these unpaid internships? 
Uh, yeah, the uh, first couple were unpaid. So I was okay. living at home and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, making money any other way I could, whether it was uh, writing for other publications or, you know, helping different media outlets. You know, I, I was actually delivering newspapers at one point just to, you know, mm -hmm. make a little bit of side money to, to get by. Yep. Yeah. I, I want to bring that up because I've, I've talked to some people who have said to me, uh, you know, I, I don't want an unpaid internship. I want to be paid for my work. And, and the way I was present that is if you could get to hang out in the office of, you know, insert place you want to work here for a week, how much would you pay for that? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I pay a lot for that. Cool. You get to do it for free in an internship. Does that sound pretty good? Oh, yeah. Right. Because they don't they don't get that 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 experience and network is is way worth way more than money. I couldn't even tell you how I discovered what an internship was, you know, in high school. It certainly wasn't something brought to my attention. It, it someone at some point, someone brought it up or I read about it and I went, well, that sounds ideal mm -hmm. and that makes sense. Uh, I'm a high school kid. Um, I want to go spend time at a record label. Well, you're yeah. not going to pay me. I don't have any experience, but I want to learn. So mm -hmm. you get to learn, you get to be around. The, and the people that I was around my senior year in that summer are still some of the most powerful people in the music industry, you know? Mm. Um, so I, st I have these relationships that go back to, you know, me being a teen and those relationships, you know, if I ever needed something or if I, mm -hmm. you know, when I reach out, you know, I, I've now known these people over decades and they've seen my growth and my career and where I've gone and I've seen where they've gone. But we have that common bond. And we had a reunion a few years ago where people that worked at that company got together and, and we had a tremendous time, had a wonderful time together. And so I think you, you, you kind of nail it on the head that you have people that don't realize how important the internship is. And you have people that realize, hey, this is, you know, I'm paying my dues. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think it's as simple as that. You everyone has to pay their dues in where they want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's education is. Yeah. And it's yeah. And think about it. You know, it's an unpaid education. Mm -hmm. I found that those early years were some of the best learning I could have ever received, mm -hmm. probably more so than in college, to be brutally honest. And I just I built these and started these relationships that I've kept ever since. So, yeah. you know, the basic basic uh building blocks of business right of especially of community anything in the communications business it's building growing nurturing relationships yeah yeah that, that's that's huge and i think so many people miss miss out on that and they think you know well if you're born rich you can get connections but you know if you're middle class if you're if you're working class or you're poor then well i guess you just don't get the connections on the golf course but anyone can can go to an office and fetch coffee for them um, I, I didn't have any relationships. Literally, I grew up in uh, uh, suburbs of outside of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I knew I knew I wanted to be around music. I wanted I wanted to make this happen. But I literally, like I said, and this sounds so archaic, but took out the compact discs uh -huh. of the artists and started calling, you know, record labels. I'll tell you a funny story. The first phone call I made was a Sunday evening. It was like seven or eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. And I knew I'd get a voicemail or, or you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever we called them at the time. But I knew I'd get a, a machine that I could leave a message and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I want to, I'm looking for an internship. Here's my phone number. So the first CD was A&M Records, whoever it was. It might've been Sting for all I know. And I, I look up the phone number 
and I call and I'm waiting, you know, expecting to get a, a, a machine. And this person answers and he goes, hello. <laughs> and I and it caught me off guard. I was completely stunned. And I go, oh, I, I, I'm stuttering. Right. I go, I am. Uh, um, I'm, I'm calling about an internship. And he literally goes and I'll leave the curse words out. But he literally goes, what are you doing calling on a Sunday night, calling me looking for an internship and throwing some expletives? And I hung up the phone. I just hung (laughs) it up. I was so scared, but I also had this rush. I was like, that was awesome. Whatever that is, I'm in. I want Mm -hmm. whatever. I don't even know anything. I just got yelled at by a strange person telling me, what am I doing? But I was just like, okay, there's something here. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Yep. Well, and the crazy thing is, is you probably reached someone of significance who was yelling at you. Yeah. Whether the office phone was forwarded to the executive director's house or uh, it was some producer or something like, I think, I think we often think that the people you need to reach are behind some, you know, wall and you have to go through the white house switchboard to reach them. And they'd be like, Brian, who's Brian? Don't know any Brian click, but in real life, you can just Facebook message people, Instagram DM, sometimes even text or call and like get seemingly really big people on the phone or on, on whatever means of communication the kids are using these days. Well, I realized later in life that that person was working on a Sunday night, wasn't happy. probably was on a deadline, was (laughs) dealing with an art who knows, but he was in the office dealing with something. And so the last thing he wanted was some punk kid calling about, you know, it was like, what, why are you doing this? What do you, I, I'm, I've got whatever artist it is up, you know, writing me to get whatever album done, or I've got to work on my, who knows what even department he was in, but it was one of those aspects. He was leaving on his couch because his wife kicked him out. That's why he was mad. I mean, you never know. He might've had him been on a bender. I mean, it was just anything is possible. And that was always the beauty of, working at record labels where anything was truly possible. Um, But, you know, I remember um, I met Mark Cuban once. I met him in Vegas and he was very kind and I had a lovely conversation. It wasn't very long, but I remember over the years reading that reaching out to Mark Cuban is not very hard. He reads his emails. He goes through, he contacts, he's, he's reachable. He's a, he's a very successful, very successful man who has made it very aware that being reachable is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not the queen of England. He's yeah. Mark Cuban, but he knows wh- how he got to where he's at. Mm-hmm. And he's got great stories if you ever get to hear him. And like I said, I had a lovely meeting and, and very short conversation. But um, to your point, accessibility exists. Yeah. And people are reachable, especially in business. We're not yeah. talking personal is a different story, but we're talking in business. Everyone's looking to better themselves better their group, better their company, whatever it is. So accessibility is vital. Yeah. Well, it's great for the business too. Like beneficial, you know, Mark Cuban, some random person might send him an email with the next $10 million idea. And yes. because he answers it, he's the one who gets in, gets 20% for hundred thousand yeah. um, dollars because, you know, they, they did what you did with the CDs, blasted out to a bunch of billionaires they know. And he's the one who checked his mail and said, Oh, this guy's got something. Oh yeah. Let's have yeah. a conversation. But yeah, well, also, recently, um, a friend of mine, you know, I, I, I've interviewed the, the CEO of our local hospital on my podcast, and a friend of mine was, was in the ER, and you know, with, with everything going on, they're overwhelmed, and they're totally in the weeds, and she wasn't bleeding on the floor, so mm. she was waiting, and you know, they're so busy, they're not thinking about, like, okay, let's keep people informed and, and all that, 
So she talked to me. I sent an email over to the the CEO saying, just so you know, a friend of mine's been waiting in the ER for three hours. She's she's not dying on the floor, but she kind of wants to know what's going on. She's feeling a little bit some kind of way. Um, And she's like, I'll take care of it. And sure enough, shortly after somebody came out, made an announcement, told them what's going on, handed out, you know, blankets and and crackers and took care of people because, because there's no way he's going to, you know, no nurse is going to call him up and be like, Hey boss. Yeah. We're really swamped down here and everyone's grumpy. Just, just, you know, (laughs) everything sucks. Um, There's no method for that information to get there. So if you're as the big boss accessible to people, somebody call up and say, you know, Hey, there's a problem going on right here. Your, your lines are really long. You're yeah. You're whatever it is. Otherwise, you know, you get that report and you're like, how long has this been the case? Oh, I don't know. Nine months. What? Why did anyone tell me? You know, you, you got to have that that path field to let you know. And we hear about that in business so many times. And mm-hmm. it's, we always hear about it when it's too late. Yes. Obviously, funny enough, Mark Cuban went through that. He learned something that was going on within his organization at the Mavericks and took ownership of it and, and said things will change and made changes. There are people up to, you know, communication is vital. And there are people who when running a company, make sure those lines stay as open and fluid as possible. And there are those that try and it does, it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. it is truly when you break down the positive, the the growths and the, and the pushbacks and the, and things that hold back a company, it starts with that. It starts yeah. with the communication system and the skills and the people involved. Yeah. That's definitely a big, a big thing. You know, having that, having that communication there. Um, so so you've been doing this this PR work for 28 years. Um, so where are you now? Who do you serve now? What's what's the current state of your business? So I, you know, real, you know, I like I said, I was in the record industry. I worked my way up, and then I just I was given an incredible opportunity at a young age to, to be the head of PR and marketing for a company called Vivid Entertainment, an adult production company. And at first, I, you know, I interviewed and asked my friends and. Uh, I don't know about you, but certainly in over time in, in your life, whenever you've got a certain situation, you go to your circle and mm-hmm. you get the votes, right? So I, I asked everyone in my circle and all the votes were do it, do it, do it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you have to. This is going to be amazing. And I did. I accepted the position and it paid me a lot more than what I was making prior. And I became an, a, you know, a publicist in the adult film industry, um, was there almost two years. Uh, and again, made some incredible relationships and, and learned a lot and, and worked directly with the owner of the company who's incredibly successful. And uh, when that ended, I decided to figure out what I was going to do. I started getting phone calls from different people. Hey, I want to hire you. I want you to be my publicist. And before I knew it, I had my own company and mm-hmm. I started it January 1st, 2001 and haven't looked back. And it was literally sort of by accident. It was a bunch of people three to be exact, that called me, said, we want to hire you, we'll pay you, uh, and you'll, you know, you'll be our publicist. Well, I'm like, well, where am I going to do this? I'm like, well, I guess I'll work from home. And so I started working from home. And then I started doing the work and I started getting the checks. And I'm like, wait a second, I started doing the numbers. I'm like, this could be lucrative because this is all about me now. I will mm-hmm. get paid as much as I want to. If I only want X amount of clients, then I'll only make X amount of money. But if I want to challenge myself, if I want to branch out, if I want to even create more relationships, uh, I'm going to take on more clientele. And 20, almost 21 years later, I, you know, it was funny the other day, I actually looked and over 21 years, I've had roughly 300 clients okay. uh, in, my, in my personal career, having my own company. And so it's been, it's one of those you sort of snap your fingers and it's 20 years later, you know, 
So, so I feel like most people hear the, hear the word publicist and they think they know what it means. And if you then ask them what the publicist is, they'd be like, they, you know, publicist things <laughs> for people. So, so what exactly does a publicist do? So I deal with them. So I'm the liaison between my clients who have something that they want to make known in a public fashion and the media who will hopefully write about, talk about, do interviews exactly like this one mm-hmm. to then discuss my client, to discuss whatever project, whatever product, whoever they are, uh, and get it out to a larger mass so they can increase their brand, increase their bandwidth, increase you know their size and scope, increase you know any you know increase sales. So it's all about reaching uh, a larger mass, a larger swath, a larger group, but being that person that has the ability to hopefully connect the dots in order to take, you know, an actress who's in a film who is going to do interviews to then a get more people to see the film and b get more people interested in the actress herself. So there's, you know, when it comes to it it's more media relations. So, and I tend to use that term more because I think people understand that better because they understand what media is, media mm-hmm. sounds. Uh, you know, when you say public relations, it's like, so you just stand on a corner and scream? Like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? Only if you're really loud. Really, really loud yeah. and, and, and good, good lungs. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's, it's the focus for me and my clients, having been in the entertainment industry, is taking what they have and getting it to a larger group of people in order to increase their brand and to bring them more success and to help them along their way with their goals as far as what they want to do. And so I assume some of that is managing the media, the reporters and whatnot. Is some of that also managing the clients? A thousand percent. There's a lot of managing. There's a lot of handholding. There's a lot of everything in regards to what you just said in, in that you have to keep your clients happy. Mm-hmm. You have to keep your media people happy. And doing both is never easy. So okay. those are the challenges that exist. And we see it every day. And I think, you know, we're in a time now where we're seeing the media having being attacked, right? And the media has always been under scrutiny and under a watchful eye, but now it's become even more so with social media, with the aspect of, you know, you could take a client, they could have a million Twitter followers, they can do this themselves. They obviously do not. That would be, they need someone to help them. It's like you need a team, you need a manager, a publicist, every, you know, so on, an agent, so on and so forth. So it's important that, um, that there's an understanding between myself and my clients as to what they want. And so there is, there is managing and, and, you know, handling of clientele, you know, to make them feel comfortable uh, to, you know, they're spending money on me. So I need to make sure that I'm worth what they're spending. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's a combination of making sure that the, the client knows they want, and then they're doing the right things to get it. And then the media want to talk to your client and yeah and they have a good experience and get what they need for their um so so some of that like encouraging kind of negotiating how how open they're going to be how much they're going to share yeah uh, uh, and then you have crises right you have things that go on where you know we've all you know when you're an entertainment publicist you've had clients or you've had film stars and rock stars and this and that that might have done something they shouldn't have. And now you mm-hmm. have to protect your client or you have crises 
that exist in society that clients get dragged into or, or have caused or are the cause of. So you, you're managing how that goes to be and, and what is sort of put out there to the media. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's a little bit of a chess game you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to that type of stuff as well. So it's not linear. It, it can feel it some days, you know, at, at the end of the day too, I have clients where it's like, Hey, person X in the media has no idea who my client is. So I have to win them over to hopefully have them be interviewed to hopefully write a story to then puzzle piece other stories to make people aware. So, you know, you could have someone as, as famous as the band Metallica, and you could have someone you've never heard of. And mm-hmm. then I've got to deal with the media appropriately per those, per those groups. You know, I was honored to work with that band when I was at Electra, uh, and they have an incredible publicist who's a very good friend of mine and they're incredible human beings. And so, you know, you get to see, you know, what they've accomplished, but at the same time, no, just how great they are and how savvy they are and how, mm-hmm. you know, understanding they are of media, you know, so it's really important. And so I imagine networking is a key part of this, having relationships with the, with these reporters and, and media outlets and whatnot. hundred percent. So it's a daily 24 seven networking, reaching out, cold emails, cold calls, cold texts, you know, the whole nine where you're just in constant contact to try and, you know, garner and, and create relationships. So there's a trust between the media person and yourself when, you know, when something comes up that they go, okay, hey, Brian, I need, you know, you have this client, I need to run a story like this, I need your help with this. So it's it's a constant every day of meeting people, being introduced to people, finding people, you know, which is certainly with things like Twitter uh, have become a lot easier and, and you can sort of do make that cold tweet or DM and, and be like, hey, this is who I am this is what I do. These are my clients. And, and I think you might be of interest. So those are aspects of, of what goes into to the job as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I assume some of that is you, you mentioned something about like a reporter calling you and saying, I need this story. Can you help me? So I assume some of that is doing favors, people helping them out so that, so that when Absolutely. you need something, you've got the, the reputation, the relationship. Absolutely. I think you nailed that a hundred percent. I would, I, I couldn't put it better myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of glossed over a certain two-year part of your history that some yeah. listeners, some listeners are probably like, all right, good, we glossed over that. Awesome. And others are like, wait, wait, go back, go back to Vivid. I, I, <laughs> more about, I know publicists too. I know what famous people are. Um, so what what would people be most surprised to learn about the adult industry? I think they would be surprised to learn how boring it is. Okay. That it's homely, that it's a lot of family people, people that go to their office now pre-pandemic for what it's worth, yep. but go to the office. Maybe they do go to a shoot. Maybe they work on set or they work in an office and they do their job and they go home. Um, and the people on the other end, the actors and actresses wake up, go do their job, perform and go home. Um, it's a small industry. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an industry that's very tight and sort of looks out for itself. Um, and so when I have had these discussions and talked in detail, a lot of times people are like, you've just ruined this for me. That was very boring. I, you don't, don't ruin my fantasy of what this industry is because obviously we've all seen boogie nights and there's certainly been other documentary doc. There've been documentaries and things that have come out that Mm -hmm. give it a different light and a different look. But at the end of the day, the people that work in this industry and the people I know, you know 
go to work, do their job, are passionate about their work, but are raising families, have significance, and are really focused on their personal life as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not up 48 hours and, you know, running around crazy. Does that exist? Absolutely. There is that. (laughs) There are stories, but the majority, it's work. They're passionate. They do their job. They look out for one another. Uh, so I, I know one perception a lot of people have of the adult industry is that the actresses primarily are kind of being exploited and taken advantage of. Um, and I, I think to the extreme, some people have the image of like these people being dragged off the street and forced to perform on camera and not even paid for it and dumped in the gutter, um, which I suspect that's a bit of an exaggeration. But so what is what is the, the level well, I mean, effect there? I mean, you know, I'll look at my clients right now and I'll look at the present day with uh, content creating platforms like OnlyFans, Mm -hmm. where women, men, trans, uh, all kinds are at home producing content, making an incredible living, Mm -hmm. working very hard because they have the the more content they create, the more they do, the more they make. Right. But as far as forced manual labor, I mean, the the. the to put it lightheartedly, the clients I work with are overwhelmed, but they're overwhelmed with the fact that they get so many requests, whether it's for custom videos or or mm-hmm. for different content, photo photo sets, whatnot, that they're just like they're tired. <laughs> they're working, quote unquote, their asses off to <laughs> create content that is being purchased on the other end. And it's just you know, it, it, for them, they're not working nine to five. So literally they're like, Hey, uh, I'm going to be in Hawaii for a week. I'm going to shoot some content there, but I need a timeout, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm working really hard and I'm, I'm doing incredibly well, but I need, you know, to take a break because they are, they're not working nine to five. They get up They're They're going, you know, they're working, they work late at night. You know, if they're on production, if they're in a film, obviously those run late into the day. So, I mean, it's just a constant barrage of, of work that, that sort of mindset or that thought of, Oh, these people are being dragged or whatnot. The people, not the people hiring me, the people hiring me are doing very well and we work closely together. And I, you know, you go to their Instagram and maybe they're in, you know, Lisbon, maybe they're in Mm -hmm. London, maybe, you know, they're all over the world and they're like this lifestyle, this career choice, affords me things I never thought would be possible. Mm-hmm. It's just so, entrepreneurial. They're busy entrepreneurs, basically. Exactly. A hundred percent. And that now you have a lot of people. So it's not the perfect story, right? Mm-hmm. There are stories. Don't get me wrong. But in my world, I work with people that take this very seriously. It's a career. It's a passion. And they treat it as such. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've seen that um, in, with, a lot of, with a number of people I've known in the industry. Um, I've never worked professionally, but you know, I know I'm the guy yeah. who knows a guy. I know someone everywhere. And, Absolutely. And mo- a lot of the women I've known who've who've either done amateur work, professional work, whatever, um, they found it to be very empowering. Yes. Um, I never. I went to high school with someone who um, her idea was like the fact that men will give me money to see me naked. That they have no power of me. I'm taking their money for something I can get for free. Like, yeah. They're the marks of this one. Uh, and, and, it, and she totally loved that idea. <laughs> well, I mean, I even started working with a financial dominatrix. And this mm-hmm. is a woman in New York who went to college, worked her ass off, was doing all the things, and then realized th- there's something more to life than this. And she discovered financial, uh, financial being a financial dom. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, she tells men to put money in her bank account. She was written by the New York Times, and it was a very lengthy, incredible story, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, feature. And it just shows that there's an aspect of if you want to empower yourself, if you're like, I want to do this, you know, then there's a there's a will and a way. I mm-hmm. can find an opportunity. And like I said, with this specific lady, she found the opportunity to, you know, build up a brand, educate people, um, and at the same time, make people, you know, and then have a clientele base that feeds feeds her business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it put your mind, put your mind at something. Who knows where it goes? Yeah. Who knows what you can accomplish? Well, and that's that, that kind of points out that if if there is a need and you can fulfill it and people will give you money to fulfill it, that's a business, whatever Absolutely. it might be. And sometimes, you know, somebody else might try to impose the morality on it or their their ideas on it. But you know, like the, there's I'm sure the guys who are giving her money, they're totally happy to do it. It fulfills a need for them. They need to feel powerful or respected or or important or whatever it is. And she it fills a need for her and then it puts money in her bank account. So yeah. everybody wins and and you know, no one's being demeaned. It's no everyone's getting what they need from it. Yeah, absolutely. And and so there's, you know, we've seen the growth of that over time because because of more acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're seeing a more accepting society. And so it's, it's across the board in that regard. And so it, it just brings more opportunity. Right. And with more opportunity is growth. And with growth, you know, we can go on and on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's been very fascinating for me to take on these different types of clientele, introduce them to the media, have them being written about mm-hmm. and seeing, seeing their story grow. Cause at the end of the day, you know, people like that also go, well, I want to, now I want to start a fashion business. Let's see if I have what it takes to do that. Because mm-hmm. if you put your mind to something and accomplish it, that's just going to open your mind up to going, well, what if I want to do this? What if I want to try that? What if I want to, you know, because now you feel like you've given yourself some sort of power and some optimism and hope and, and guidance and education to then take whoever you are and whatever you want to do, whatever path you want to go. And I think that's really exciting and something important to, you know, the opposite is just sitting in your bedroom all day and doing nothing. So <laughs> that doesn't do anyone any good. So it's it's very exciting to see and work with people that have these goals and aspirations and we try and do it together. I don't shoot anything down when a client says, can we try this? Yeah, we can try it. Mm-hmm. What's the worst that's going to happen? It fails. Well, who saw it fail? You and I, yeah. not the world. <laughs> yep. You know, no one else saw it. So no one. So it's almost like if a tree falls in the forest, right? If, if we do something and it doesn't work, what's, what's the loss? You yeah. know, we took the risk. It's better. You know, it's, you know, it's the quote, it's the Michael Jordan basketball quote. It's the Hank yep. Aaron hitting quote. You know, you, you don't know until you swing, you know, Absolutely. so all that. Yeah. You t- to reveal one of my secrets. Um, I have had a number of workshops with zero people showing up, but nobody knows which ones had zero people show up because afterwards I still send out the email to my list. Thanks to everyone who showed up. That was so great. I mean, everyone is a, is a set of zero, but you know, Nobody was there to see nobody show up. So nobody knows. I had, this was brilliant. I had an event at a store one time. It was a Halloween themed event. And I had about five or six photographers. And it was like a signing with a, with a fairly well-known reality celebrity. 
and she's brilliant. She was really on it. There was only like 10 people, right? It was, it was a night. It was, you know, there was a million things going on and she comes in, she sees the photographers. She has the product. She sees the 10 people, this and that she takes the photos with the photographers and, and we had a fun event. It was like, it was very small, it, you know, and, and anyone else, there were two, she could have gone two ways, disappointment or opportunity. Uh-huh. She does the photos. The photos then get distributed through all the major wire services. And as I kept getting links and, and people sending me emails, all they kept saying was packed house, so-and-so <laughs> at this event, blah, blah, blah. And that's and and I start getting phone calls. Oh my gosh! I heard congrats, congrats uh-huh. in your event. This in the and I just was like, oh, thank you so much, thank you. Yep. And and again, we could have looked at it two ways. We could have been like sour about it. Oh, we should have had more people, or we looked at the amount of eyeballs we got into the millions who saw the photos from the event and were told about this person, about the product, mm-hmm. and where it was held. And it turned into this massive long-term success off of a short-term questionable, not failure, but just wasn't uh, as many people as we had hoped. Absolutely. Well, and I'm sure if if photographers are good, they'll shoot it the right way. So it's just, it's it's her and the fan and the book. And you just kind of assume there's other people back there because how could there not be? Yep. I'll tell you this much. It wasn't a book. Okay. <laughs> it was a product at a certain kind of store. And I'll let everyone's imagination go to where it might, that might have been. But that was funny, too, because the product was just so out there and the photos ran with the product. And you're like, holy cow, the New York Post ran that. Wow. OK, <laughs> the world is changing before my eyes. This is awesome. And every time I see a tentacle on the cover of that book, the cover of that book. <laughs> exactly. I'm just assuming. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And just that, that idea of kind of seizing whatever opportunity presents, which, you know, that's kind of the, the through line of this whole interview from you opened up your CDs, which for the younger folks, that's like iTunes in physical form you can take home. Uh, <laughs> so the, you know, be just opening up your CDs and be like, I'm just going to call these guys. I mean, who, who would, what high school kid would think like, I want something from them. I should just call them. I, I imagine at some point you missed the, the part of education where they said, you're not good enough to call those people. And yeah. because you missed out on that, you just called them. And good yeah. things happened. There's a bit of I've had. I think there's an innate fearlessness that people have. And it's just how how much you have. Maybe it's in everyone. And it's just how much you let mm-hmm. that out. You yeah. know how much you just go with it. You know, and and I, I just remember, I just, I, I couldn't tell you who gave me that education, other than I just learned something and went for it, yep. and realized this is what I want to do. You yeah, know, and huge. and you know, and every day I went to my senior year, and when I would leave and go down to the record label, the next day I'd come back to school and tell them about it, and tell them the artists I hung out with, and who <laughs> I was. You know, they're like you know, these are kids that were working at the pizza joint down the street from the high school. They didn't Mm -hmm. know what you, what you met, who you're doing. There was no comprehension, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was fun too. Uh, That was fun to be like this weird kid doing weird things. Yeah. that no one understood. Yeah. And and yeah, for for anyone listening, the opportunities, if you want to do something, try it, just, just go for it. Yeah. You know, at worst you fail, somebody yells at you and, and you hang up the phone. And, but, yeah. but do you understand too, that failure is literally just in the eye. And if something yep. fails and it's just you in the room, then you're like, I wasn't a failure. That was just didn't work. And we move on and we learn from it, you yep. know? Yeah. So. I, I, I've, I've spoken to over 2000 entrepreneurs, business owners and others. And I have yet to speak to a single one who had to go to the emergency room after a bad experience on the phone. 
has not <laughs> happened a single time. No matter how loud they yelled, no matter how much they swore, not one of them had to call 911, get an ambulance. Never happened. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try and keep that going for all yeah. for all intents and purposes. Yeah, you maintain that. Maintain that. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, don't break like that streak. I don't want to be like, and only one time is it happening. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be that guy, but that's very, I love that line. Yep. Um, all right. So, so do you have any, any parting words for our listeners uh, who are maybe trying to get into business or considering getting into business? Well, first off, I appreciate you having me and, and having me on your podcast very much. Um, you know, I, I think it's all about, you know, goals. I think mm-hmm. you have to, you have to figure out what you want to do. You know, the entertainment industry is, is tough and it's brutal and you can read all the books you want. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot of books, but at the end of the day, what do you want to do? Do you want to make music? Do you want to produce music? Uh, do you want to make film? Do you want to work an adult? Do you want to be a content creator? You know, it's all about educating, uh, learning, and it's all about beginning to make those relationships. So, you know, and you have to have goals, you know, you don't just come into this, you know, and just decide, well, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, there's been, you know, uh, let, let's let's end on something that you would, your listeners would probably love and appreciate is the amount of people in my position, i.e. people who work in the industry constantly get messages that say, I want to be a porn star. Right. And usually it's males. <laughs> it's always males that go, I want to be a blah, blah. I'm like, okay, call this agency. And then I give them an agency's number and it's out of my hands. They think, you know, just to give you an idea, there's only a handful of men, hetero men who work in the industry mm-hmm. because it's tough. Yeah. Because what you have to do on a daily basis for companies and what you're expected to do is very hard. Pun absolutely intended. So you get these people that just go, I want to be, I want to, I want to do it. Okay. Do you have any idea what you, do you know what you know, but I know I want to do it. Okay. Why don't you talk to this person and they're going to tell you the ins and outs and they're going to give you the graphic detail and they're going to tell you what the workload is. And they're going to tell you what you're going to have to do. And they're going to tell you what you're going to have to sacrifice. Then figure out if that's really what you want to do. And my point is, it's one thing to just say, I want to be something, but it's another to say, I want to do this. Here's why. Here's what I can lend. Here are the talents I have. Here's what I believe I can do. And so I think those are the most important aspects for those who are successful. I don't know. You and I don't know. You know, we love music and film, and there isn't an actor or actress or, or a rock star that didn't have very succinct ambitions, you know, mm-hmm. basketball players, you know, listening to Michael Jordan speak, they knew what they wanted to do and they had their ups and downs, but they did not let the downs get in the way of their success. And so my, all, always my advice is have goals, yeah. have desires, and then go for it, you know, mm-hmm. make it happen, you know, do it. what you can. So that's sort of my long fleeting final point in that regard. Yeah. And and of course it's not just ups and downs, ups and downs and lefts and rights and sideways and diagonals and, and skids. It's, it's not like a straight path of there's my goal and I'm going to it nonstop without deviation. Expect the unexpected and never be comfortable. I Mm -hmm. think those are two simplest, you know, Dallas type mindsets where it's like, (laughs) you're never, you're never going to be comfortable. Don't try. And Always be ready for the unexpected. Right. And how can people uh, get in touch with you and, and connect with you if they want to learn more? 
yeah, my website is bsgpr.com and I've got a contact form on there. And, uh, you know, I've, some of the clients I've worked with in the past have said nice things about me. So I decided to post them there and <laughs> some of my background. So any and everything at bsgpr.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great and I uh, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. That's jv connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.